0: Good morning, church. It is a joy to see you on this uh, Snoper Bowl Sunday. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, You bless my soul that so many of you would come out. And uh, we were not able to meet with our Vernon campus this morning, so I want to begin by just looking right at the camera. And we love all of those that tune in online, but especially all of our Vernon families with us online this morning as well. Would you help me show some love to those that are with us on the live feed? God bless you. Thank you for being with us as well. We hope everybody's staying safe and warm. But if y'all would allow me just to have a moment, uh, this is blowing my mind. Usually I used to uh, just get really nervous even if it would rain outside. I wondered, was anybody going to come to church? And can I just testify of something that's been amazing? Uh, For the last couple of months, uh, we have averaged more people here in second service than we had when we had to make the decision to go to two services. Y'all may be noticing you're sitting closer to people. You're starting to feel the anointing of those around you, and uh, that's good. Uh, One exciting thing is on Easter Sunday, to accommodate our Easter services, uh, we're going to be having three services this Easter. Uh, So we'll have an 8.30 a.m. At 10 a.m. and an 1130. That's March 31st. Easter's in March because we just like to confuse everybody. Uh, but, uh, I'm excited about that. But uh, also just I want to tell you why I believe this is happening. Uh, it's not because my preaching is getting any better. Uh, there was nowhere to go but up, but that's not the reason. Uh, but it's because our reaching is getting better. Uh, because you love your community, you reach out to people, and I'm just so honored. I don't ever like to hear churches say they're the best, we're all supposed to be on the same team, right? Uh, so please forgive me. I, it, it's not that we're the best church. There's a lot of quality churches in the body of Christ, and we're proud to be part of that team. Uh, but while I don't want to say we're the best, I certainly hope you know how blessed you are and how blessed I am to get to serve here uh, with you. So uh, can we just give God thanks for what he's done and what he's going to continue to do through his church? And here's the truth. Y'all are like my family, man. I, Some of y'all are really like my family because my family's different. Uh, So I'm used to y'all, and I just love you. And I'm so thankful for what God's doing in our church family and through our church family. And we're in the midst of a series entitled Family Matters because families do matter very, very much. Those relationships are so important. You're so important to me. But also there are matters, there are issues. Uh, that are coming up, that are arising in our culture and in our families and in our relationships, that the church cannot shy away from addressing them. And aren't you glad that God's Word is true in every situation, in every season, and in every culture? God's truth shines through. So I'm excited to share with you this morning, uh, week two, it's a message entitled, Inseparable Relationships inseparable relationships. Last week, we established really the foundation for this series, which is that we need a firm foundation to build every relationship on. We looked at the scripture where it talks about some built their house upon sand, others built their house upon the rock. And uh, in our culture, a lot of people would run to the sand first because it's the most comfortable it's the most conformable. You can move it around to fit you and suit you more. Look, I don't want to serve a God who lives to suit me. I want to serve a God that's worthy of my praise and of, of me dedicating my life to him. And the thing about rocks is they're not always comfortable. I, but I don't. again, I don't want God to leave me comfortable. I want God to change me to be more and more like Jesus Christ every day. Can I hear a good amen if anybody agrees with that? It's just true. And so in talking about that foundation, I want to share with you a thought that's not in your notes, but I've had him put it on the screen about relationships, just something foundational we need to settle in our spirits. In order for relationships to work, we must let the one who designed them define them. And he's the only one who should get to define what relationships really look like and what healthy relationships, as we talked about last week, what lasting relationships can be. God's our only source. God's word is the ultimate truth. It's better than any, you know, self help book or, or marriage resource we could ever have. And I just want to start off, if you want to fill in the blanks there in the message notes with me with a foundational truth about this morning's message, and that is my relationship with God is inseparable to my relationship with the people God has put in my life. Now here's the truth. Uh, There's a lot of Christians, and I've been one of them many times, who we don't have as much trouble with loving God as we do with liking people. Because God is always good, but people aren't always and sometimes we wrestle with that. And there's those that'll just be like, "Well, I, you know, yeah, I serve God, but I, I don't go to church because people are this way, and the churches." And I get it, I, y'all. I don't, I don't blame them sometimes, but it hurts my heart. I want to, I want the church to be better. It shouldn't be that way. Can we all admit that's not how it should be? And people shouldn't be made to feel that way. And uh, the the reality is, I want these these relationships to be healed because these two things are not separate. When we're talking about inseparable relationships, your relationship with God and your relationship with the people God's put in your life, both are very, very important. Let me show you in the Word, uh, in John 13, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he doesn't say, I'm holding you to the standard of society or culture. He's saying, you got to love like I loved you. And he said, by this, all men will know you are my disciples. Not if you go to church. Not if you do a lot of good deeds or give a lot of money. He said, they will know you are a follower of Jesus. They'll know you belong to me, Jesus said, if you love one another. And the truth is, these two thoughts of loving God and loving others are so intertwined. Let me just make a a truthful statement to you. You cannot have a good marriage without a good relationship with God. Not really. Not one that will that'll last through thick and thin. But the opposite is true as well. You also can't have a good relationship with God without having a right attitude toward the people that God has put in your life. Let me say it another way. Your relationship with God will affect your relationship with people. But if we're not careful, our relationship with people, even our bad relationships, can sneak in and have impact on our relationship with God. It can change how we view Him and how we relate to Him. And so it's so important to hear the words of Christ saying, look, the way you're going to be known is by loving other people. He said this in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. He was asked a question by the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people of their day, people who really were kind of fake in their relationship with God. Anybody else just had enough of being fake? Look, we're all broken. Let's quit pretending like we don't all need a Savior. Amen? But they come to him all acting like they've got it all together. And then they, they say, teacher, have you ever had somebody compliment you and you knew it wasn't really a compliment? Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And, y'all, this is a big question. They were trying to trap him. There's over 600 commandments in just the Old Testament. And he he's put on the spot to answer this, but listen to the reply of the Lord Jesus. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What a great answer. But he tells him, this is the first and greatest commandment. And and now I know this isn't in the scripture, but after he says that this is first, this is greatest, then he says, but wait, there's more. Because he goes on to say, and, everybody say, and. And. And now think about what they asked. They said, we want to know what is the greatest. I could just hear him saying, we don't want no and. But he wanted them to know, look, these two go hand in hand. There's an and because they go hand in hand. And the second is like it. That means it's just as important as it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was Christ's response to what is the greatest rule that we're following. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, I would listen to what Jesus said is most important about following him. And so, if we know this in the church, I mean, we know we're supposed to love people. One of the biggest things that holds us back in having healthy relationships with people is finding the healing to forgive people who have hurt us. And that's just, that's just the truth. I, I struggle with this a lot. And a lot of times, Christians will want to ask, this question, not in your notes, I'm going to put it on the screen. We want to know this, because we care about eternity. We know these are important matters. So we want to know, how am I doing with you, God? How am I doing in my relationship with the Lord? If we're honest, we should all want to know the answer to that question. That should be at the forefront of, of our minds, that our relationship with God, because it's it's priority. Remember, this is the first and greatest, that you love God. But if you want to know the answer to that question, I want to give you another question that you can ask yourself And that is, how am I doing with the people God put in my life? Because Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. And we talked about it last week. Sheep can be frustrating. It's not a compliment to call people sheep. They can be frustrating. They can be smelly. They can go their own way. They can get themselves into trouble and not even realize it. Did I just describe some of your family? Don't point fingers. But how are we doing in our relationship with God can be answered by also saying how are we doing with our relationship with the people because God didn't allow them to be there by coincidence. You may not like the family that you were born into, but you got to love them, and God wanted you to be a part of that family because that's your sphere of influence. And so we need to really think about the reality of of dealing with the hurt, dealing with the pain that can happen in relationships. Because here's the truth. This is in your notes. The truth is we're called to live like this, and that is that the forgiven forgive. That's how we want to live. But that, that's all fine and good to say. It makes for a cute title. But what does that look like, right? What, how do you live that out? Some of you are already doing what I probably did, even as I was preparing for this message. Somebody came to my mind. When I thought about having to forgive people, you might have somebody right now that just the Holy Spirit drops into your heart, that you have difficulty. Have you ever thought you forgave forgave somebody until you saw them again? A conversation, it may not even be them, something that's said or a memory just pops back into your mind and then comes flooding back that shame or that anger, that feeling of neglect or betrayal or abuse and you struggle with forgiving look i want to i want to tell you the truth just because you're struggling does not mean that god has given up on you or that you're failing struggling is not failing okay so so i want to i want to dispel that lie before we go any further but this is so important and it's something that jesus said he's like look I, I, I want you to know this is going to happen. You're going to get offended. Pain is going to happen in relationships. Look at how people treated Jesus. You think we're going to get treated any better? And so, the, you know, this. I know this isn't like a real, like, happy feeling point, but the reality, people are like, Pastor, I wish you'd be more positive in church. Well, look, I'm positive relationships are going to hurt. But there's going to be pain. And we're going to need to forgive. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, 10. He said, and then many will be offended. It's like he read my Facebook news feed today. Have you ever seen people argue with one another? And you're like, why did you even take the time to stop? They're arguing about a topic that has nothing to do with them. Keyboard warriors, man. Many will be offended. They'll betray one another. And sadly, that will even lead them to hate one another. Then he says in Luke 17, 1, to his disciples, he said, it's impossible that no offenses should come. So it's immature of us to think we're just going to live, you know, and nobody's ever going to hurt our feelings. Well, I, I live for Jesus now, so I'm just not going to feel a thing. Huh. I promise you, Jesus felt everything on the cross. And following him is about enduring those things, about saying you're worth following in the good times and the hard times. He didn't lie to us. He didn't set us up you know, to be surprised. He said, it's impossible. Offenses are going to happen. But he didn't say that it's impossible to overcome them and to forgive them. And I want to submit to you three reasons in this message why I believe it's so hard for people to forgive. And these are all based on the Word of God, and, and you've probably lived out at least one of them, if not all of them, at some point, you may be going through it right now today of dealing with having trouble forgiving someone or or multiple people in your life and the The number one reason I believe that we struggle with this in as Christians is that we have a wrong understanding of forgiveness uh, we We get it wrong because we understood it wrong, you know, and we teach people the wrong way. Something that that gets really misunderstood about forgiveness is that people will think, well, to get along with somebody or to live at peace with somebody means I always have to agree with them. Huh, you should get married. (laughs) We have a wrong understanding of what a healthy relationship really is. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. There is no such thing as a perfect church. If any of you find one, I'll go there with you. I'd love to. So don't have a misunderstanding. You don't always have to be in agreement to be in God's will of living in healthy relationships. Let me say it this way. There's three things that are misunderstood about relationships. The first blank is forgiveness. When it comes to relationships, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Okay, so forgiving somebody is not saying that what they did is okay. So forgiveness is, isn't saying that this didn't happen. It's not trying to say that this was okay. So those of you that have been traumatized, been victims of abuse or neglect or those things, in no way, and I apologize, that I know sometimes the church has said, well, things like this, well, you just need to get over it. That's not fair. They don't know what you've been through. And, and we, we're not called, God doesn't say that. He doesn't say get over it. He says, Hand it over to him. So we don't minimize what you've been through and the seriousness of the pain that you're experiencing. The second thing that forgiveness is not, that's a misunderstanding, it's not reconciliation. The Bible talks about reconciliation a lot, but it talks about it separately and differently than forgiveness. Because let let me just submit it to you this way. Reconciliation is a two-player game. It takes two to tango. It takes two to be reconciled. And you can't force somebody to reconcile a relationship. But forgiveness is a one player, one participant game, one person that is. It does take two uh, parties because forgiveness is just all about you being in right standing before God. Of saying, look, I can't, you know, make them do right. But God, I want to be right in your eyes. I want to be obedient to what your word says. So forgiveness is not reconciliation. And the third one is also it's not forgetting what happened. I think a lot of people misunderstand this and they think, well, uh, well, I've, I've prayed this way. God, I wish you would just take that memory away. Has anybody ever prayed that way? Just take that pain away. And you know what? He can do anything. So sometimes that might be necessary, but I want you to ponder for a moment. If God has not taken that away, maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe it's because he, he needs you to grow. He needs you to get stronger. He needs you to realize that no, what was done to you was not right. No, what they said was not okay. What they did was not okay. But he wants you to know you're gonna be okay anyway because his grace is sufficient for you. They don't, you don't have to wait for them to apologize. You don't have to wait to be reconciled to them for you to be understood that God loves you and there's nothing anybody that could ever do to you that outweighs what Christ has done for us on the cross. Would somebody give Jesus? Jesus prays if you're thankful for what he did. It outweighs what anybody could ever do. So it's not about forgetting it. In fact, the most biblical definition of forgiveness is not forgetting. It's knowing what they've done and having the peace of God anyway. The Bible says that God remembers our sins no more. And that doesn't mean he forgets them. It means he chooses to not hold them against. It. He knows what we did. And he says, I love you anyway, and I don't hold it against you anymore. Some of us have been holding things against people, and we've been just holding on to that pain and that trauma and that grief for too long. And I just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word for there to be freedom in this place and everybody that would hear this message. Because I sure need it. I need need to let people go. And I'd say one thing that that really holds us back uh, beyond our wrong understanding, number two, is that we don't think it's fair. They don't deserve forgiveness. And you know what? You're right. It's not fair. But I praise God that we don't serve a God who always plays fair. Because if, uh, if he was fair, church, I would have to pay for my own sins. And so would you. And I'm so thankful to Jesus Christ that he gave me grace that was not fair and it was undeserved. And when you think of it that way, It puts things into a different perspective. And in Matthew chapter 18, there's a powerful example of Jesus interacting with Peter. God bless Peter. He might have been the most real apostle, at least what we have recorded. And he comes up to Jesus and asks him about forgiveness. He says in this scripture, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And can't you imagine? You know Peter had somebody specific in his mind. This was not hypothetical. He had somebody. He's like, what do I got to do about them, Jesus? We're so cute. We think God doesn't know what we're thinking. Like, well, yeah, God, what do you want me to do about them? He knows exactly what you want him to do about them. And then Peter throws out a number that he probably thought was a big number. What, do I have to do it seven times? Because you know Peter probably already done it eight. Because he wanted to say, well, God, I've already done it. Now, can you get them? And Christ's response is so beautiful, so powerful. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And in fact, in Jewish culture, this is a kind of a colloquial phrase. You'll see it translated in some translations, 70 times seven. That's really the most accurate. It would have come out to 490 times. And the way Jesus was explaining and expressing it, he was saying 490 times a day. Do you know what, if you're a mathematician, you know what that comes out to? You would need to forgive that person every three minutes, and that's if you didn't sleep at all that day. And Yeah, I got some people that they're 490 times kind of people, but God's saying, aren't you glad his mercy is new every morning for you? Aren't you glad that every hour that we need him, he's there for us? And I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like this old world, man. I'm, I'm tired of, of the, the way that the, the world works and just the toxic culture that's been created where people don't forgive, they just cancel you. You're just done with you. I'm so glad God didn't cancel us he wasn't done with us. I want to live according to his word and his kingdom. Listen to what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. Very next verse of scripture, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten Thousand bags of gold or some translations say ten thousand talents was brought to him so this guy owed if you do if you do your history there this would have been equal to roughly five billion with a b five billion dollars of debt i don't know who gave him that credit limit but he got himself in trouble $5 $5 billion this man owed to this king. And you know Jesus gave this number intentionally because he knows us humans. If it had been a lesser amount, we'd already started been figuring out how that could have been forgiven. Well, I mean, he could have sold his house or done something, you know, taking out a reverse mortgage. Whatever. We try to explain it away. He wanted you to see this as an insurmountable amount of money to pay back. I doubt there's anybody in here that's got $5 billion somebody owed you. You wouldn't want to pay you back. And if there is anybody, I'd like to share with you some vision God's put on my heart for you to invest in. Just, just in case. Watching online. <laughs> Mr. Bill. God will not let the gates of hell prevail against us. Let's move on. So it says, since that man was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. That was very common in that day. The servant fell on his knees before him. And this is a picture of us before God. He begged, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. That's ludicrous. How are you ever going to pay back $5 billion? But the master, the servant's master took pity on him. And praise God, he did this for us. He canceled the debt and let him go. Is anybody thankful that God canceled your debt? He reconciled us. We're back to zero, the word says. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. You know who that was? That was a human. That was a person. And we'll do this if we're not careful. We've been forgiven of so much by God to us. And like I said, you want to know if you're right with God, look at how you're doing with those people God's put in your life. Because this is somebody in this man's life that he had trusted enough to loan money. So he must have been close to him. And he said to that, that he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Some translations say a hundred denarii. That equaled roughly $10,000. Y'all, that's still a lot of money. So God is not minimizing what people have done to you or what they've taken from you, but he wants you to see the difference, the magnitude of what Jesus has done for us is more than anybody than anybody's ever done to us. So he says to this guy, he grabbed him and laid hands on him for Jesus, began to choke him, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant, same picture, fell on his knees and begged him, some of us have forgot where we were when God helped us. So let's be, let's be patient with people when they need help. And he said, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, and I just need to say right here, church, there are people watching how we treat other people. And one of the biggest reasons people don't believe in Jesus is because his followers aren't acting like he told us to act. We've been forgiven of much, and there's people watching how we respond and how we react. And I do not want to allow the toxic culture of this world to change the body of Christ and how we behave and how we handle ourselves. I want to be like Jesus. Anybody with me? And so it says they saw this, and they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all the uh, that five billion. And then this is one of the most sobering verses of scripture in the entire Bible. And it's the words of Jesus Christ, not some mean preacher. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Again, it's from our heart. I know this is hard. That's why a lot of people don't preach about it. I, I avoided it for a long time because I wasn't living it. And, and y'all, sometimes you gotta relive it. You gotta relearn it. And just, just learn to obey the word new every day. I wanna share with you a great quote by C.S. Lewis, if you wanna write this down. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Being a Christian isn't just about going to heaven. It's about being able to go back into the world and let people know what Jesus has done for us. And how will they believe us if we just act like everybody else? If we just retaliate like everybody else? Y'all, there's people in this world, as my daddy used to say, they get up on my nerves. You know what that means? Me neither, but it makes me sick. The way people, some people act. And I lived this out just this past week. I saw somebody who I thought I had forgiven, and when I saw them, just a wave of feelings, uh, a memory of some really, really bad interactions came flooding back to me, and I got so upset at that person. I hadn't even talked to them. They didn't even know that I was staring them down. And that's what we do sometimes. We think, oh, I'm showing them by not forgiving them. And all we're doing is hurting ourselves. And the Holy Spirit so gently helped me as I started talking to God about them, like, can you know, you're just thinking, Lord, can you believe how they're just, just standing there? <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not even rational, you're just upset. I was just upset at this person. And instead of just remembering what that person had done to me, I know God helped me see this. I began to see a replay of some of my actions, not toward that person, but towards the Lord. Times when I should have represented him well, and I wasn't representing him well at all. Things that I had spoken of that would nobody would have thought I was living for Jesus. Actions I had taken that was no behavior for somebody who was a follower of Christ. And Then God reminded me he had forgiven me of all of that. And compared with all the things that I was just, just in a quick moment reminded of, I was, I was able to find healing in my heart and forgiveness for that man who had wronged me so many times. He didn't even know that happened. He just went along with his life, and that's, that's okay. And y'all, I want to tell you, this is something that we can do, but the third and maybe the biggest reason people never get to a point of, a place of forgiveness in their life is we don't think we can do it. We believe the lie that, well, I've held on to this for so long, this is just part of me now. And it becomes a stronghold. A stronghold is really something that we've usually held on to for so long. Now our hands like cleave to it, our spirit, it just, it's hard to get rid of it. And when we don't think we can do this, I want to let you know you're absolutely right. You can't. Not on your own. But aren't you glad that we're not alone? Aren't you glad that we have God on our side and with us, working through us. And when I start to tell God I can't do something, look, this next scripture I'm about to read is very powerful, but it doesn't just apply to doing miracles or walking on water or raising the dead. It applies to being able to forgive somebody who's done something they don't deserve your forgiveness and that you won't be able to do it on your own. Philippians 13, one of the most well-known verses of scripture says, I can do all this through him, through Christ I can do the way I learned it as a boy. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me He's the one going to give you the strength, but let me teach you something there He gives you the strength, but you still got to use it What good is strength if you just sit there and do nothing? Many examples of scripture. Remember how the bible says jesus stands at the door and knocks y'all he's going to keep knocking until you Open the door So there's going to be a part you play. And it's only because of Christ that you get to play your part, okay? Don't misunderstand. All praise, honor, and glory goes to him. But we've got to follow through. You want to follow Jesus? That very language, when he said, come follow me, speaks to having to walk, having to take steps. And you may have to do it one step at a time. Look, what happened to you? we're not minimizing it. We're not trying to pretend like you're gonna become best friends with that person and be, you may never be reconciled, but you can still forgive them and you don't have to forget what happened. In fact, it can grow you, it can mature you. Can I tell you one benefit of me remembering some of the things that happened to me that were horrible in, in my younger years is now when things happen to me today, I'm kind of like, meh, that ain't so bad. God already saw me through all of that. He's gonna get me through this, Amen. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So let me give you three practical things. These are things you will do. Again, he's standing at the door knocking. You need to open the door. And these will open the door of your heart to find the healing that only God could give you. The Holy Spirit can be that comfort. But he's not going to force it on you. Again, he's not going to bust down the door. He's going to knock on it. And if you will do what God has said to do from his word, don't you know that God will keep his promises. Amen. So let me give you these three things. The first one, and y'all, it's hard, is you need to pray for them. And some of y'all are like, I'm doing that. I'm praying for them. That's not what I mean. In fact, I've had times, you will say, when you don't know what to pray, one of the best things you can do is pray the word of God for somebody. Amen. That's good. But I know you people. So I just want to clarify even further that I don't mean pray scriptures like Psalm chapter 3, verse 7. If you'll allow me to read it, not in your notes. This is, not, this is an example of what not to pray for those who you need to forgive. Psalm chapter 3, verse 7 says, Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Anybody got people you need God to rescue you from? That's fine. Don't pray this over them. The next part says, Slap all my enemies in the face and shatter the teeth of the wicked, O Lord. That's in the Bible. The Bible's real. You may want to do that. King David, don't worry, it doesn't end there. I just don't have time to read the rest. But I'm saying we don't need to just pick and choose. The psalmist David cracks me up. If, if you His prayer life looks a lot like mine. If any of y'all ever, I tell you, if you would talk to God about people more than you'd talk about people to others, it would change you. It would change. Pray for them. It'll change you. It, and you pray for God to change them, and he can, but I promise you God will change you. While you're praying, because we'll be like David. How many times in the Psalms? Y'all, sometimes our daily, we do a daily Bible reading plan. It's a great plan at lakeviewpeople.com slash Bible. You can download it for free. Sometimes, though, it reads in excerpt. Every day, you read something from the New Testament, the Old Testament, and something from either Psalms or Proverbs. But because it's just breaking it down through the whole year, you'll read the whole Bible. But every day, it's a little segment. Sometimes it only reads the first half of Psalms. And I just got to read to the end, because I don't want to leave it hanging with slapping people in the face. Because David, David was just real. The Bible called him a man after God's own heart, but how many of you know that man was messed up? Yeah. He made a lot of bad decisions, a lot of big mistakes that, that impacted a lot of people's lives. And he would, just before God start praying, and a lot of times he'd start off saying, God, they're so wicked, smite them, get them, fight them, beat them, whatever. And by the end, he would just be thanking God for his mercies. Because he'd start thinking, man, I remember what you did for me. It was kind of like me with that guy I saw last week. When I thought about what God did for me, I forgot all about what that person had done. I just remember what Jesus had done. So as you pray for them, whether or not it and it it can change them, don't get me wrong. God will work on them. We're going to show you that in Scripture in a minute, but I know he'll work on you first. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, Jesus tells us that you have heard that it was said. So he's letting us know, this is what people are going to tell you. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was even a command. That was a rule. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Well, that's easy. It's easy to like people that we already like. What's hard is do we love people that we don't like? People that aren't treating us right. But Jesus changes everything. The next verse he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. So he's saying, I don't want you to live by the standards of the world. I want you to live by the standards of the word of God, that Jesus, he is the word, become flesh. He says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I wonder how different the world will be when we start living like this. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say it. I've admitted it before. I scream at the TV when I see people I don't like on the news. What if? I did this this week. I did. I saw somebody who ticks me off. They make the worst decisions, and y'all, they feel like they're anti-God. with what I think they are with what they're saying. But I stopped, and instead of yelling at them, I prayed for them. Because you know who I just described? Somebody that's anti-God, that's, that's going against Christianity? The Apostle Paul. So imagine if God could get a hold of that person who's just been getting a hold of all your feelings. And you'd hand them over to the Lord and pray for them. And the next step, it's going to get worse before it gets better, is the Bible says we need to bless them. First you pray for them, then it says bless them. And the word bless is that you are to speak well of them. That's a Bible definition of this word. And that means both publicly and privately. So you don't just need to act one way to them when you see them at church and then talk about them a different way on Monday. We need to bless them, speak well of them, be careful. The word of God says that we have the power of life and death in our tongue, in the words that we speak. So are we speaking death over people? And how can we ever expect someone to change if the way we talk about them doesn't change? You're getting what you're declaring. And so we want to change our heart. And the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when that healing comes to your heart, you won't speak death anymore. You'll be used by God to speak life. Look at the words of Christ in Luke chapter 6. He says, but I tell you who hear me. So if you'll pay attention to what he says, he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. So don't retaliate. Don't do not fight fire with fire, change your actions, and that'll change the world, and pray for those, he says again, who mistreat you. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 tells us, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So you don't need to do both. Some people are like, well, I prayed for them yesterday, so I can talk about them today. The Bible says, no, salt water and pure water, they don't come out of the same spring. Bitter water and pure water. We, we need to be speaking better, Words, not bitter words. The blessings of God. If we want to see the, the change that God can give people. And the final thing that can help us to, to do what God has actually called us to do. We pray for them. We bless them. And the final step in forgiving them is do good to them. And this is hard. Because I, I imagine they have not done much good to you before. When it comes to family this is maybe even harder because they should be like your first line of defense you know and if if your spouse is the one that's hurt you or your kids or your parents or your siblings or cousins whatever it just seems to hurt differently trust me jesus knows what that feels like he had his closest followers turn on him and abandon him when things got troublesome He knows what it feels like. But to those people who were yelling crucify, who were saying we would rather, they sold him out. They said we'd rather have Barabbas who was a murderer. Give us Barabbas. We don't want Jesus. You may have been abandoned by people and you're like, they chose somebody else over me. It leaves you feeling horrible. Jesus responded to people that chose a murderer over him by saying, Father, remember, forgiveness is just a one player. Game. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Those people probably don't even realize the amount of damage they've done to you. So we need to change the way we respond to things. Can I just give you a very take home project? Very practical thing you could do. Husbands and wives, parents and kids, family. I've seen this in, in giving counsel to people over the years. Um, I, we're very blessed. We have an actual licensed counselor that serves in the church, Sarah Fulfer. Um, And we're very blessed to have her on board here. And if you ever need, I mean, she'll give you Christian biblical counseling, but I mean, she's trained in that. And I've not been trained in other than like spiritual counseling and looking to the word. And and that's, that's very good. But one thing that doesn't make me maybe the best counselor is it's a blessing and a curse. God usually lets me see a problem pretty quickly. He helps me to see that. But did you know sometimes people, they like to talk about their problems more than they want to talk about a solution? So sometimes I upset them when I'm just like, hey, so do you want to fix this or do you just want to keep fussing about it? And that's probably not the best counselor thing to say. Sarah would get on to me. I don't know. I don't know how to do all these things. But, um, but something that I have seen be very successful, especially in marriage counseling, but I've seen this in family counseling. People that, are, you know, they're Christians. They're saying, you know, we, we don't know. I've, I've watched couples who they're about to part ways. And I'll ask them in my presence, I'll be like, right now, before we do anything else, I want you to pray for one another. And I'm talking about out loud. I'll say, sir, I want you to lay your hand on your wife's shoulder and speak a blessing over her in prayer. <laughs> you think they want to do that? It's hard. It's hard. I tell you, when we do those things, I've watched God do the miraculous. That's where I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You do that little thing, that little action. You feel awkward. You feel foolish. You feel mad that you're even having to do it. But then you've opened the door for healing to happen. So this last one sounds crazy. Why would I do good to somebody? Trust me. If you'll do what God's word says, God will do beyond what we could ever do on our own. It says in Romans chapter 12, here's that man, the Apostle Paul, writing this letter to the church at Rome. That man who hated Christians, that was going around putting him in jail when he was known as Saul, but he got radically changed and transformed by Jesus. And he tells us now, do not repay anyone evil for evil. In fact, he says, be careful. That means don't rush into your response. Don't just type that thing. Y'all need to delete some of that stuff before you ever hit sin. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then, Such wise advice here, ordained by God. God's saying, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Another way I heard this taught is, you need to learn to keep your side of the street clean. You can't deal with what's on their side, but you can deal with what's on your side. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Then it says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. And here's where I used to get excited. Yeah, now we're talking about the wrath. Yeah, I'll forgive him, but when do we get to the vengeance? It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And then look at this next part. This is seems really out of order. He just said he's going to avenge, but then he says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So much your enemy. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And then now we're coming back to me again, I thought. In doing this. You will heap burning coals on his head. I used to love that part till I studied it, and I still love it. I just realized it doesn't mean what we would think it means in our culture. In fact, in Jewish culture, giving burning coals to somebody was one of the kindest gestures you could give. See, they didn't have electricity. Fire was very important to them. And many times, neighbors would help one another, especially when their neighbors were in times of a really busy season like harvest or a time of crisis where they were away from the house dealing with something because they weren't there to maintain the fire in their own house and y'all here's the thing a lot of people who are cold in their hearts and calloused, you don't know what kind of tragedy and trauma they've been going through that the fire's just gone out in their own heart so a neighbor would take coals. That's what this is referencing. They would actually take some from their fire, some warm coals, burning coals, and give it to the, to heap it upon them as to, to bless them with it. And say, look, you can take some of what I got and you can restart the fire because they needed that. They depended on it to cook food, to light the house, to heat the house, to give warmth. They needed it to survive. And church, Jesus has forgiven me of a whole lot. And I would dare say everybody in here could say that. If you've received his forgiveness, it's been more than $5 billion worth of stuff that we've done. And so We've got the the power of God, the love of Jesus in our hearts, and there's a world out there that they're dying. They don't even know it. They're just, they're on their way to destruction. So, no, I don't look at people that I disagree with anymore with hate. I used to really struggle with being just disgusted and disturbed by what's happening in this world. Can I tell you who I'm mad at? It's not those people, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm mad at the enemy, and I want to say, get your hands off of those men and women who are so confused about their identity or their sexuality or or how to run a family, or any of these things. I don't want them to know what the world says, so I'm not going to react like the world. I want to let them know there's a better way, and His name is Jesus. You don't have to stay confused. And no, I don't hate you. In fact, I love you so much. Let me tell you about the guy that found me in my brokenness. I'm just as messed up as you are. I just found Jesus, that's all. I'm not special, but he's made me righteous. Is anybody glad that while we were yet sinners, Jesus went to the cross for us? So while they walk around, think of this, while they walk around in their worst sins, when you were at your worst, Jesus didn't love you any less. While you were still a sinner, Christ went to the cross for you. He did the same for them. So God loves them as much right now as he ever will. They just need to know that. And how, they're, how are they going to hear it if all they hear is shouting and backbiting and bitterness? Let us speak the truth. But the Bible says, do it in love. And the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. And I'm just believing that the fear of rejection that people face, whatever keeps them away from experiencing God's love, that we will cut through it by showing them heaping coals of, of fire that can help them. Say, we're here to help you with your needs. We're here to feed you. We're here to give you something cool to drink. We're here, what, what, how can we bless you? How, how can I pray for you? I'm done playing the games of the devil. I believe Jesus is the only way, so let's live the way he told us to live. Anybody with me? Amen. Final part of this scripture is so powerful. It says, do not be overcome by evil. And I prophesy that over the body of Christ, that we would not resort to those same mudslinging tactics. Y'all, this is, you think I don't know this is an election year? I can already feel my blood pressure going up. Y'all, but I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus that has changed my life. And it's going to keep me standing firm. You can stand firm and stand in love both at the same time. Stand there with arms stretched wide saying, God loves you. I'm here to help you. No, I don't agree with you. No, I'm not going to shy away from preaching against sin and letting people know heaven and hell is real. You got two options. But God loves you. He doesn't want you to. Did you know God doesn't send anybody to hell? They reject him. Let's make it as hard as possible for them to turn away from him because they're gonna see the love of Jesus in every one of us, everywhere that we go. We're not gonna be overcome by evil, but we overcome evil, not by fighting, not by arguing, but with good in the name of Jesus. Last scripture I wanna read you is Ephesians 4, where the apostle Paul, he says, get rid of all bitterness. Let the Holy Spirit show us where this might be in our hearts. Get rid of all bitterness. I've had a deep root of bitterness that God's had to help me with, but he will, if you'll let him, open that door. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And here's where I, before I got to that, I was thinking, yeah, but what about every form means all of it? I want to be like, but what if they do it again? All of it. Don't let it take root. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ. Praise God. In Christ, God forgave me. Amen. He forgave you. The last blank in your notes, if you'll fill this in, but then don't just try to stay still if you will so everybody can pay attention. The truth is the forgiven forgive. We talked about that earlier. I want you to see that's, that's the key. That's the blank to be filled in. Have you been forgiven? Do you realize all you've been forgiven from? There's a saying I'm sure all of us may have heard it or maybe even said it. Anybody ever heard the phrase that hurting people hurt people? It's true. It's reality. Well, let me turn that around for the goodness of God. If hurting people hurt people, I declare to you this truth. Healed people, God uses to heal people. And forgiven people, God uses to forgive others. We are ambassadors for Christ. We do this by his might, by his authority, and it's our responsibility to live as his hand. We're the body of Christ. Let's be his hands and feet. Amen. So let me address something with you quickly before we Pray together. If you're in this place, I don't want to ask you to bow your heads or close your eyes because you don't need to be ashamed because you ain't done nothing that any of the rest of us ain't done. But if there's anybody in here, you need to receive the forgiveness of God in your own life and you're struggling. Maybe maybe you've even been a Christian for a while, but you struggle finding freedom from your past. It just comes back to haunt you because you, you think that, well, you remember and you think because you remember what you've done that maybe it's still there. Remember, it's not about you. It's not that you forget it. It's that you find peace anyway. Some of y'all are already responding to that. If there's anybody you wanna pray say, God, I, I wanna receive that forgiveness, God bless you. Yeah, lots of you. You don't have to wait for the call. God bless y'all. Hear the word of God. Not you will be forgiven. God's word says you are forgiven. You are right now. That you are, not will be, not once you get to heaven, Not once you do everything right, it wasn't your righteousness that got you saved anyway. It's not your righteousness that led you to repentance anyway. It was Christ. And the Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So as you just surrender your life to him, your heart to him, I'm going to just pray with you that that God would heal your heart. And I'm going to ask any of you that need to take a next step, next week's Baptism Sunday. If any of y'all need to dedicate your life to the Lord or rededicate, I'd love to celebrate with you that way. But could I ask everybody to stand as we get ready to pray? And with the worship team and prayer team, please come forward at this time. And while you're standing, I want to address a second group of people that you're struggling, not with forgiving yourself, but there's somebody that's hurt you really bad and the trauma of it, it just keeps, it haunts you as well. I want you to remember what the word of God says, that you can do all things through Christ. But I want to ask you to do something right now and take a first step of faith. And hand that person over to God. If that's you, and you say, I've got somebody specific in my mind that I want to forgive. I want to give over to the Lord and find his healing today. Would you raise your hand? Is there anybody that's... Okay, lots of you. God bless y'all. Thank you. God bless y'all for your honesty, your boldness. Y'all can put your hands down. God sees every one of you. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to pray with those to receive forgiveness. Those of you that need to give forgiveness, I want to ask you to pray for that person. And look... Remember the scripture said, as much as you're able to do. So they may have moved away. They may have passed away. That's okay. You can still forgive them in your heart before God. That's all you're required to do. God will handle the rest. And I just want to ask you to do that as we just pray right now. Would everybody join with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you completely honest, admitting that we have failed you and that we all need your forgiveness. Your word says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So to everyone that acknowledged that they're struggling receiving your forgiveness, I just thank you that your word says in 1 John 1, 9, this is not the words of a man, but the word of God says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. You are made clean. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so right now, God, as we have confessed before you that we've sinned against you, We believe not by our feelings, but by faith that we are made clean, 100% clean. We are the righteousness of God, not because of anything we've done or even some magic words we said, but just by faith in your word. We surrender ourselves to you, and we thank you for changing us, transforming us, and we receive it by faith right now. And God, to those that are needing to forgive, we bless those who have cursed us, We release them to you, and God, if you would use us, we'll do good to them in in repayment. We're not going to repay evil for evil, but we're going to overcome evil for good. Show us, Holy Spirit, how you want us to react, how you want us to behave, and how you want us to follow your steps. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and all God's people said, man, can I ask you to give Jesus some praise? He's worthy. God bless you. Everybody that prayed that way, I'm so proud of you, and just so awesome to see how God is growing. Just people mature in the Lord and overcoming these things, finding freedom. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And then if you need prayer for anything, they're going to send us out with worship. You'll be dismissed after this blessing. But if you need prayer, if you need to talk to somebody, that's what we're here for. And we got prayer warriors here. We've been seeing God do the miraculous just because he's God. So please don't leave this place. If you need prayer for anything or write it on a connection card, write down what God's done in your life on a connection card. Let us know if you've taken a step of faith. And I'd love to just be praying over you this week. Let me, let me speak over you and then you can go. But come at any time if you need prayer. You're not interrupting me. Heavenly Father, I just declare your plan and purpose over my family in Christ. That God, wherever these men and women of God go, they would walk in your love. They would walk in faith, in your forgiveness of them. And they would show that same kind of love and grace to this world that so desperately needs it. And use us, God. You changed us. Use us to change the world. In the name of Jesus, I declare it. And all God's people said, Amen. Go with God, church. I love you. God loves you even more. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, we'll stay as long as you need. Be safe.